in the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 3 verse starting at verse 1 this know also that in the last day perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous, boasters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents unthankful, unholy Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you to bless now in Jesus' name. We'll give you all praise, all honor now. Let the Holy Spirit that pen these words also bring it to life in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to address you very briefly from a subject living in the last days living in the last days. In our text today, the Apostle Paul described the conditions and the state of the church in this last day. He uses the term perilous times as a sign of this age in which we are now living. This term means perhaps to reduce the strength. It implies difficulty, dangerous, and furious times. And the real sad reality is there's no awareness to the individual that find themselves caught up in such a status. And if I was to ask you this morning, where are you in life? Most of us would take at least an hour. Now, you probably would tell me something. But to know where are you in life right now, I'm going to give you a few minutes. Just give yourself a chance. Ask the person next to you, and then you ask them. Y'all kind of talk about that a little bit, just right now. Where are you? And I'm saying this so it can provoke your thinking. told very few of us in this room right now know where we are. You know the location of your body. But where are you in life? Where are you on the road to your goals? And most importantly, where are you in God? For so many today that attend church God is an abstract. You would think that he would be a real reality, but truth be told, he is an abstract. Some think that you can either take him or leave him. And uh, we need to realize that these are the perilous times. 
If there ever was a time for us to be watchful, now is that time. And I don't mean for you to watch your neighbor. I mean that it's time for us to watch ourselves. I've been saved for quite a while, but let me confess that after all of this time of being saved, I sense the enemy pulling in my flesh. But I value what I have. How many of y'all know what you got? I'm not talking about what somebody told you you had. How many of you know what you got? But I value what I have too much just to let the enemy come along and take away from me that which is so valuable. These are not times that we can just stand still and relax and put our feet up. The devil is always on the prowl, trying to take what you have and also to put you in a bad relationship with God. Jesus put it this way in the book of John 10.10. He said, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you may have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Brothers and sisters, God did not intend for us to be living on life support, but he intended for us to have uh, eternal life. You're not on welfare because everything you need, God has provided it for you. The problem is not the well. The problem is us going to the well and drawing out of the well of salvation. I dare some of us have gone and got a dipper of water and we've been drunk that long time ago. But amen, how about thirsting and continually to drink from God's fountain? We are living in a day of uh, total distraction where there seems to be every, every minute of your life is conformed or consumed by something. We got these little what we call cell phones. Truth of the matter is, so many people are in church today. Most people, not just this church, they carry on business as usual. Sitting in church, texting, and what the devil do, he wants to you to miss the word that you need on this week. That's going to be make you aware of him and what he's doing. But these are perilous times that we're living in. And therefore, we got to be to that place that we are aware of it and we are doing, amen, what we need to be uh, ready for Jesus Christ's soon return. As I said some time ago, the worst thing is not dying from cancer. The worst thing is not even dying from aid. The worst thing is dying without Jesus Christ. And amen. If you live a life and you think you have him, like those ten birds and a man, they were clean people, but they supposed them to have the all that they needed. But at midnight, the cry was made, go out to meet the bridegroom. And when they went out, they found out, five of them found out they didn't have the all they thought they had. I wonder if we had to meet those conditions today, would we be to that place that we will know exactly where we are? The Apostle Paul says this, 
This know also that in the last days, perilous time will come. For men shall be lovers of their own self. Have you ever seen a time when people love themselves the way they love themselves today? People love themselves, don't they? I love me some me. That's a sign of the time. Then it says us, And then, you know, that's the reason why you got to put a lock on your door now. People watch you going in, coming out. I ain't talking about this people in the world. Sometimes church folk watch you too. Then it said boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unthankful. Have you seen such a day when people are so ungrateful? We're complaining. Even sometimes just drew your check from the welfare and still complaining. Help me, Holy Ghost. Just got a new job and still complaining. Just got a clean report from the doctor and still complaining. God has been good to us. Don't y'all think God's been good to us? He's been mighty good to us, but we are just so unthankful. We can't pause when I when I get up in the morning. I'm saying, Lord, I thank you. When I go to bed at night, I'm saying, Lord, I thank you. But I don't want to ever become unthankful because when I become unthankful, the next step is unholy, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Oh, my God. We want some able things except what we're supposed to have. We got time for the television. We got time for the magazines. We got a time for sports. But when they come around to God, that time is very limited. How much time during the week are you spending in the word of God? I'm preaching hard now. How much time during the week do you spend in prayer? How much time are you spending in fellowship? How much time are you spending in worship? But I love the Lord. Yeah, you love him for about an hour on Sunday morning. And if I get to church on Sunday morning, all the rest of the week is mine. Amen. There used to be a time when there was no argument as to whether or not we're going to attend Bible study and prayer. But we give ourselves permission to miss everything else. But I feel good because I came to church Sunday morning. And I gave God some praise. But it don't call for all of that. But when you have an appreciation for the salvation that God has given you, it makes you want to say, Lord, what can I render to you for all the benefits that you have bestowed upon me? Uh, just this week, we had a shooting down at the Greyhound bus term. Young man, young man, father and a husband 
didn't leave home to die, but now he's dead. Death is not always going to pass us by. It's going to catch us, and you don't have to be the one that's being shot at. You just be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And anything can happen to you. But we're taking a chance that I might be ready. I might be ready to go back with God. I might got it straight. And we are looking now, and we've gotten to the place now. Got a form of godliness and no power. I've seen so many changes in what we call holiness or born again. Of course, now what we call it today is I'm spiritual. That could be anything. How many of y'all can remember the time that we used to say I'm saved, sanctified, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gave us trust? Do, do anybody remember that? <laughs> you could have, we had about 10 people in the church, but all 10 of them would testify the same way. <laughs> but it was holiness. Let me tell you, it's going to still cost something to live saved. It's not going to be easy. It's going to cost you something to get into God's kingdom. We want to get to heaven without the cross. But you can't get to heaven without the cross. We come to church not to be edified. We come to church to be entertain but we what we need to do is get a hold to God Lord I come to hear a word from the Lord the organ might be off the keyboard may be off the drummer might be out of beat but I came to hear a word from the Lord I came that my life could be changed and I could be what God wanted me to be but today what you have to do is get some of the best singers let them be in charge of your praise and worship. The world's best musicians, they got to play for us. And the preacher got to preach, but he must not talk too much about the cross and the blood. Something that make me feel good, a Cadillac and a Mercedes and a, a house on the hill. And we leave the church and we feel all right now. I, where you been, child? I've been to church. I've been promised something. We get happy over God and we over salvation. But we on our Jesus is on his way back. Yes. And we got to be ready. Yes. Jesus used a term in the book of Luke, he says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. This is the last day. Strive to enter in at the straight gate for many. And that term strive means to strain. How many people you see now straining to get into God's kingdom? Matter of fact, you got to almost pay people to come to church. Some churches are running raffles just to get people to come to the church. 
If you come in, if you are the 500th one, if you come in and you sit in the right seat, then you're going to get a flat screen TV. What I say is this, if you come into church, come on time, sit in the right seat, you might get some blood on you. You might be able to hear the voice of Jesus. You might be able to feel the cleansing power of Calvary. Hallelujah. Because flesh screen TV is not going to take you into glory. If it came right now, we know Jesus is on his way back anytime. You've got uh, all kinds of stuff running for office. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to offend nobody. Because some of y'all might be things of there. But the world is just going crazy. The world today wants a crossless, bloodless, painless church. But the devil is a lie. My God. Now, you know, let me say a little thing, my sister. I'm almost finished here. I, you know, hey. I'm not, I'm not going to entertain y'all. Y'all get I ain't got nothing. I don't have no fluff this morning. The only thing I got is meat. There was a time when sister was willing to pay the price. And I don't know why we always mess, mess with sisters. Sisters have influence. You don't see nowhere in the Bible where any man ever tempted a woman and fell in sin. Any man tempted a woman and fell in sin. Find it and bring it to me. Bible scholars, if y'all find that. But I can show you from Genesis to Revelation where a woman have taken a man and led him by his nose astray. The strongest man that ever lived was Samson. Send 3,000 men after Samson. Samson just got up and shook himself. And he was all right. They sent one little woman called Delilah after strong Samson. He came out there bald-headed and blind. Woman, women have power. Can I, get a, can I get a woman to say, we got power? We got power. Can y'all say it again? We got power. We got power. And I guess that's one of the reasons why you had to kind of have ways that women help the guys to stay safe. 
Just tell another woman, I'm going to help this guy stay safe. Because I know I'm fine. <laughs> but things are changing. There used to be a time when women used to wear their dresses right at the shoe. And then they moved them up from the shoes to the ankle. Then they moved them up from the ankle to the calf, the mid-calf. Oh, God. Then they started going astray and they brought it on up to the knees. Back in the 50s and the 60s, they were sending people to hell because they had the skirt at their knees. Then they moved it up to mid-thigh. These are the last days, y'all. Then they moved them up from the <laughs> to the butt. What? The butt. And I'm not suggesting that you go out there and put this cut all the way back down to the floor. That's not what I'm suggesting. But what I'm saying is this. Just kind of keep it private. Don't put yourself on display except you're ready to be sold. Let me finish this because I'm messing with folk, man. But I wonder if there's somebody that loves Jesus enough that you don't mind wearing a badge of shame if that's what it called for. You don't mind being called one of them people don't mind being called sanctified. Don't mind being called holy. Don't mind being left out the group because you too holy and you spoil our party. Don't mind being the one that they don't want. We want everybody but not you. Being one of those ones on the job that when you walk in you break up the parties. Because you got the badge of Jesus on your life. One that don't mind talking about the cross of Christ because it was at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. We got to get to that place, amen, uh, that we got to stop walking around without a cross. The cross implied uh, you're carrying something that is not pleasant. 
the cross is not hung around the neck. The cross is actually put on your back. And I heard Thomas the uh, shepherd said in 1693, must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. Next verse is it, how happy are the saints above who once ere sore are here, but now they taste a man unmingled love and joy without a tear. The consecrated cross I bear till death shall make me free and then go home my crown to wear for there's a crown for me. We're moving, saints of God, to the coming of Jesus Christ. And what the enemy want to do is get us to the place that we become pleasure-loving, pleasure-seeking, and it will replace the Christ in your life. But, oh, God, keep me hungry. Is there anybody who says, Lord, keep me hungry. 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 And the deer panted for the water. So panted my heart after you. Is there a hunger for God? Because only the hunger is going to be fed. There is no force feeding. Amen. Only the hungry is going to be fed. These are the last days. If Jesus came back right now, would you be ready to go back with him? Would you be ready to go back with him? If you had to die in the next five minutes, what in your life that you're doing now would you change? It's not that we don't know better. We know better, but we want to chance it. Maybe I just ask God to forgive me. But let me tell you one thing. Forgiveness only comes when you repent. And repent means stop doing it. You can't do it week after week after week after week and say forgive, forgive, forgive. Somewhere down the line, you got to stop doing it. And then God will forgive you. He'll wash you. He'll make you whole again. We're living in these last days. The church in the last days. And we better get into the word of God. There is a deceiving spirit that's in the world. Want you to feel religious but not saved. Religious but not committed. Religious but not dedicated. Religious but not holy. God is returning for holy people. We got to be, we got to be what? We got to be what? And holiness is not a denomination. Holiness is a characteristic that come from the Lord Jesus Christ. If we are willing to be holy, we can be like God and we can be saved. Today, if Jesus was to come back right now, would you be ready to go back with him? Your job can't save you. All the money in the world. Ask Davies. Davies had so much money he didn't know what to do. But he lifted up his eyes and him. This is what happened. This is what people don't know. 
If you die without Christ, less than a minute after you die, you are conscious and aware that Jesus is going to come back and I'm not going to go back with him. Hell is waiting on me. I'm going to a burning lake of fire. They haven't had your funeral. You had the body laying over you. The undertaker going to put a big smile on your face. But somewhere, your spirit is saying, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. And you're conscious of this less than a minute after you die. You know I'm going to go to an eternal hell. But if you are saved, filled with God's Holy Spirit, when you die, it's like you're going to bed at nighttime. Lay down for eight hours. And don't realize you've been sick, that you've been asleep for eight hours and wake up in the morning. So if we could lay down for a thousand years and wake up in the morning with Jesus Christ, for the Lord is going to come back to get his people with him. I want to know, is the pleasures of sin for a moment worth you being eternally lost? Or do you want Christ in your life and be saved? You cannot be saved without the cross. For the cross represents new life, resurrection, and that you can have a new chance in Christ Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're here today and Jesus Christ is not your Lord and your Savior, amen, the doors of the church are open.